So I just want to give you guys a little bit of a background before today's episode. I met Joshua Berglund online and we decided to do this one episode for both my podcast and his podcast, which he distributes also in, in several platforms. Joshua is much more than a producer, a show host, and he's an international best-selling author. His book, The Devil Inside Me, is very compelling, and I highly recommend the reading. Um, and his life is very rich. He's been through hell and high water, and it's very refreshing and amazing how he's really open when talking about everything. And that's totally my style for those of you guys that know me. All of my work, my entire life is about telling the truth, about empowering women, about starting over, that it's never too late. It's never too late to get out of, of any kind of unhappy relationship, certainly an abusive relationship. So we had like a really long conversation. I think it's the longest episode ever. It's like a little over an hour, an hour, 20 minutes, but it's packed. It's very intense with a little bit of his story, a little bit of my story. And I hope you guys enjoy it. And for anybody out there, if you are in any kind of a situation that you feel you need help, that you feel trapped for whatever reason, if you're being abused in any sort of way, shape or form, or just in general, if you are in any kind of an unhappy relationship, I really, really hope that this episode encourages you to get out and start over. It is never, ever, ever too late. As long as we're alive and we're healthy, everybody has the right uh, to seek um, a happier future. So here it is, a wonderful episode with Joshua Berglund. I have to tell you guys, I got really drained after that. I kind of canceled my appointments. I felt like very emotional, like I've been crying on and off all day because it's very cathartic talking about everything that I've been through. But of course, it drains you emotionally. But like I said on the episode, at the end of the day, if I send a message out there, if I feel I help even one person that is listening out there and inspire someone, I feel like I'm doing my job. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode and I really appreciate the feedback. Much, much love. I am so excited to have my new friend and somebody that Man, I just got in reading your book, Kat, and I am absolutely floored. I am blown away by your entire story. I mean, besides the fact that you do all of these amazing things in entertainment and uh, and just in media, I, I, I admire all of that. But after reading your book, I just well, I want to give you a virtual hug. Oh, uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Likewise, I want to give you a virtual hug as well. And I'm going to introduce you to my audience because we are doing not really a pod swap. We're kind of doing like a, I said, a B2B or like a collaboration. We are going to publish the same episode on my podcast and your podcast, right? right. <laughs> so uh, your name is Joshua Berglund. And for those of my audience that doesn't know you, you are multi-talented. You are a best-selling author. You have your own broadcasting channels. You do so much. You have a non nonprofit media organization that we're going to talk about. Thank you for being here with us. It's an honor. Oh, I am honored to, to have you as well. So this is cool. So my audience is going to get to know you and you were going to be a breath of fresh air for them. Yeah. And uh, I hope I can be a breath of fresh air for your audience. Awesome. Well. That's the idea. So, I mean, I'm thinking because you there's so much going on when we talked before the podcast in your life, in your work. I'm thinking like, OK, how do we start? 
because my podcast is about sex, dating, and relationships. Other than being crazy, crazy talented, what I really loved about you when we, we talked about doing this podcast is that you're very open about your life and, and how you carry it. Mm. Can I, you? I didn't have a choice. You didn't have a choice. Can you give people like a little bit of the background, your story? Oh, wow. So the, <laughs> in short, which is all of the details, I'll try to avoid most of the details are all in the book, The Devil Inside Me. But I grew up uh, in an upper middle class home. My mom was Mrs. America. My dad was a rock star, toured with Ike and Tina and Jerry Lee Lewis. Like on the surface, we had we had it all going on vacations and going. We were members of the country club. All of it was awesome, but that didn't mean that shit didn't happen behind the scenes. <laughs> In fact, I think that the worst thing that I ever did was learn to lie, and I did a lot of bad stuff. Um, other than being physically abused, I would say that being molested by men and women oh my God. Uh, at an early age and going into my teen years, and then, of course, being raped as an adult from, well, that's my fault because I took too many drugs, um, that caused a a lot of confusion inside of me. Now, to be honest with you, when I think back about what happened to me before being molested, I, I often wonder if I attracted that in my life. I know that sounds wild, but I'm pretty sure that my sexuality was already pretty much set or who I was was there before I was molested by guys and women. But the part that became so confusing, even though I didn't know what was happening to me when I was being raped, and I didn't really understand it, didn't really know any, like, okay, what is this? This is a penis, and okay, I, this hurts like hell. Why is this happening to me? And yet at the same time, it also felt good, which is kind of a mind F. <laughs> wow, that's heavy stuff. So that's let me interrupt you for one second. So, because... Uh, I know about a little bit about you because we talked before, but like just to, to put this in context for people yeah. that don't know you, you are a, a bisexual man. Is that how you categorize yourself? I wouldn't put it in anything or, in a box. I would like to say fluid. You're fluid. <laughs> okay. Here in LA, here in LA, a lot of my friends say, and I love the word, they say they're polyamorous, meaning they like different individuals re regardless of what sex. Oh, that's a, probably a better word. <laughs> that's probably a better word. I, I'm really drawn to the energy of a person. Uh -huh. And of course, I didn't, with growing up in the church and things like that, I immediately was shaming myself because of what happened. That confusion raged war in my soul and my spirit throughout my entire life. And it's only now, after turning my life around six years ago, uh -huh. that I've come to peace with who I am, with my faith, and just being able to say, this is who I am. I'm yeah. Joshua. I hear you. Know, you. Where I, did you I grow up? Faith, but I also am attracted to, you know, other people, and it's not all of them are the opposite sex. Totally. And I'm okay with that. Where did you grow up, Josh? <laughs> yeah, she's there. Where did you grow up? Sorry. I was born in Oklahoma, but Los Angeles is home for me. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, because, no, because I was wondering, because, I mean, Oklahoma is, like, very mainstream America, like, a, a lot less liberal than L.A., right? Yeah, but you would be surprised how <laughs> big the LGBT community is there. Really? Uh, it's pretty shocking. I used to see, <laughs> when I was in the shadow worlds doing everything in secret, I hooked up with a couple pastors, and... <laughs> <but> we, <laughs> 
I'm not going to rat anyone out. I'm just saying there's a lot I of hear uh, you. Yeah. down low LGBT community folk that haven't come out yet. Did I lose you? I am so sorry. No, it, like my audience, I have like a 10-year-old little special needs dog. Oh. Just so you guys know what's going on. Yeah, and my pet sitter was supposed to come this morning and get both my dogs so I can do this podcast in peace, and she didn't show up. And usually they sleep, but he's crying and crying and crying, and it's really cold here, so I'm wondering if he's, like, in pain or something. So I apologize. It's okay. Our, our cats may break in. Yeah, Somebody, somebody abandoned this little angel on the streets to die, like, two years ago, so... What a beautiful dog. I know, I could murder this person. So I apologize for the interrupt. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, no, you were, okay. you were talking about Oklahoma and how you grew up. But, you know, it's funny that you're saying that. Because, yeah, many times, like, the mainstream society, the smaller cities and everything, they're the biggest hypocrites when it comes mm. to sex and relationships. Because they don't do anything out in the open. They do it behind the, uh, closed doors, right? But the thing is, I think fear makes people hypocrites. Because... I would, the, the only reason why I wasn't open with who I was is because I was worried of judgment. I was worried that, you know, bad things were happening to me. I was worried I was going to hell. I was worried mm -hmm. about all these things. Mm -hmm. And fear is a freaking liar. I mean, I, not to borrow from the song, but it really is. It's a lie. Most of the things that we're afraid of, 98% of it never even happens in the first place. Right. But I'll tell you one thing. The one way to be invincible in this world, this world that we live in, even though truth isn't popular, is to be honest. Oh, yes. Because the saying about truth setting you free, that's, that's way deeper of a statement than most people realize because it doesn't just set you free. It also removes fear from you, for one. But the other part is truth sets the other people in your life free. I agree. Because they're not a slave to your secrets anymore. No, I know. I, think, I completely agree. And that's how I do all of my work and i talk about it over and over and over again on my podcast most people for some reason they're afraid of being who they are and and i always wonder why why would you even like even for example in the dating world like in dating apps right people put filters and women lie about their ages and this and i'm thinking why in the world would you even want to start something with someone based on it must be so much work to to start anything based on a lie right it must, i mean oh. i would be exhausted i can barely remember my own life can you imagine trying to memorize lies all the time <laughs> these filters the filters remind me of bait and switch and i used to hire a lot of hookers because hookers and cocaine were part of my vice and there was an, and there was a term in that in that world. It's called bait and switch. When you think you're <laughs> hiring one person and you get another, and, there you and, go. And I <laughs> have some crazy stories with that. But that said, these filters that <laughs> people are—it's worse than stuffing your bra. I know. It, it, it's, it's like it's the really lie. <laughs> one million percent. So let's rewind because your your story is very very rich. I want to know a little more about it. So you were you you grew up you were abused you said that's that's really heavy and then you said you were in this life of drugs and and mm -hmm. and this chaos oh my the very first time i tried cocaine well actually it was ecstasy which then followed with cocaine and meth and uh, ketamine and every other drug under the sun but i also my first time trying drugs was also at the same time i experienced my first orgy Wow. And how old were you? Party. 
How what? how old were you? 18. Wow. That's and, and you were in uh, LA? No, that was in actually Daytona Beach, Florida. I was wow. at College Cheerleading Nationals. Oh my god. And I I tried ecstasy the first time during the day and and anyone who's eaten ecstasy knows these words. Hey, try this. It'll bring your roll back. So Bring Here it is. I'm eating ecstasy, ketamine, every drug that I could find. It was the first time I'd been to Florida. And here it is. I'm now in an orgy and I'm experiencing sexual pleasure that I've never experienced before between men, women, and sometimes I wasn't really sure. Um, <laughs> oh and drugs. God, so God. I became a chemsex addict nearly immediately. Really? Because what the biggest part about this for me was that the nightmares in my head of being molested by uh -huh. those two guys uh -huh. uh, when I was young uh -huh. and that immediately became a fantasy. Wow. So all the things that hurt me in the past became uh -huh. sexual fantasies. And in some weird way, I reframed the mm -hmm. pain that I felt. And now it was all pleasure. But the only way to access that was drugs and sex. Oh, my God. What? A, and how? so how long were you living this life? And how were you supporting yourself? <laughs> I was... Uh, really good at making money uh -huh. and uh, made a lot of money then. I carried that on for almost 20 years. Making money. And Do you mind telling us how? What were you doing? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, so I made a lot of money in healthcare. I was very good at what I did in healthcare. And then after selling that company, um, I ended up with a skincare line. Uh -huh. uh, but really, at the early before before all of that, One of the ways that I subsidized my my drug habit, mm -hmm. because when I was working in healthcare, I was making good money, but wow. not enough to do what I was doing because I'd moved to South Beach and uh -huh. uh, I was living in South Florida for a while. And, you know, I did <laughs> it's too. not cheap there. No, um, yeah, I did too. So yeah. I started prostituting myself Wow. and uh, how it happened. It was kind of a wow. really crazy story. But I went to one of those uh, porn theaters where you can they have these little booths and theaters and couples and men go. It's a lot of gay men, but there uh -huh. are couples that go too. Uh -huh. And they have these booths. And so in this booth, it's relatively open. I'm watching a movie and I'm pleasuring myself. And next thing I know, this older gentleman comes up and just drops on his knees and starts performing oral sex on me. And as soon as I come... Um, next thing I know, he puts a hundred dollars in my pocket wow. and I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> so then we go outside and he, he says to me, Hey, I'd love to see you again. Um, I've got a great house. I'd love to have you come over. I'm going to the Olympics. Wow. Um, it was when the Olympics were in Sydney, Australia. And so that's the timestamp. Uh -huh. <laughs> what a story. Goes, see you. Uh -huh. And that is how I got into prostituting myself. I, you know, I admire how open you are to talk about it. I really, really admire that because uh, these are stories that I think are important to, to tell because it happens to so many teenagers, young adults out there, right? But most people just hide it under the covers, really. They never even tell their lifetime partners that, that once in, in, in a li way before this happened to them. And that's how you develop a serial cheater, which I was. Right. Talks. There's a chapter called Cheater uh, in the book, The Devil Inside Me. And that because I was so afraid, mm -hmm. I, I, I had to, I found refuge in prostitutes. Wow. And because I knew that they wouldn't judge me. Uh -huh. and, and I started to become friends with escorts and massage girls and like mm -hmm. hanging out with their kids and stuff like that. But it's the only place I felt safe. I didn't feel safe with my own wife. 
my very first marriage, and I've been married a few times. How uh, many can you share? Marriage, huh? How many can you share? Four. Jessica's my fourth marriage. Four. <laughs> the third, the third marriage, I didn't know her. Uh -huh. That's a little story. Um, <laughs> the first marriage, I found out that I had a three and a half year old daughter. Wow. I was scared to death about being a father. I was actually living in Boca Raton, Florida, at the time, a place that you know. Yes, and, uh, you that's where I met that, my. That's where I met my husband. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, wow. But I remember. The night of our wedding reception, I got pretty drunk and I was hitting on the guy bartender because I couldn't help myself. And um, on the way back, I was drunk enough to go to tell her about my sexual experiences with the men because I had never shared that with uh, somebody that wasn't a prostitute before. And she looked at me because I was desperate to tell the truth at this point in my life. I mean, desperate. Because lying's not fun. It's freaking no, exhausting. No, I like I said, I don't even understand people that do it. I see these people oh, that are pathological liars. I'm like, who the fuck has time for that? Honestly, it's so <laughs> draining, right? It drains, it drains is. your energy. It is, but I developed that habit, and uh, and I was scared I to death. But I was drunk enough to tell the truth. <laughs> and her words to me, I'll never forget. She looked at me, she's driving, she goes, if I would have known that you were a faggot, I would have never married you wow. in the first place. Yeah. And then immediately, I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm not gay, I'm over that part of my life, blah, blah, blah. And for the record, that scenario that uh -huh. happened of where I saying, hey, I won't do this anymore, or hey, I'm, I, I, I don't need that in my life anymore, I think I told that to probably about... 10 other women after that oh, day I'm sure. um, for marriages to relationships, because you have to understand, I didn't want to be right. bisexual or into men, or I didn't want any of that. It caused my life so much pain and so much hell, but you got to understand what I finally realized all that pain and suffering that was happening. I was doing to myself right. because I was afraid to be honest. I was exactly, afraid yeah. that my mom wouldn't love me. Yeah. I was afraid I was going to hell. I, was I hear of all you. That stuff. I don't think it's the the sexuality that is the issue. The issue is how you treat other people and how you try to hide it and live a double life and all this stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's no blessing in lies. I promise. I you. agree. So, how did you decide to turn your life around and say I'm not gonna kill myself doing drugs anymore? <laughs> uh, I was in LA County the second time I was facing five years in prison. Really? Uh, for, oh, wow. For domestic violence. I'd been there six times. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and this time there was two domestic violence charges. And the second time that I was there, which I shouldn't have been there the sixth time, in my opinion. <laughs> But I also should have been in prison for 30 years because of all the other stuff I did. Holy But this cow. one particular time, I had a bug up my butt about... And I was facing five years and there was no way out of it. And I remember when I walked in and I was going through the booking process, I told them that I had HIV, which I do. But I told them that I had HIV thinking it was going to give me special privileges. And well, it didn't give me special privileges because they put me in isolation. And I was in this really small cell. I, I believe it was the psych ward. I'm not sure. But I was in this cell. Ooh. It was super small by myself. Couldn't see out of it. Couldn't see anywhere. But I could hear the screams of crazy people nonstop. Oh, my God. It took 24 hours for me to sober up enough off the cocaine and the tequila. And I, I don't know if I had any meth that night. But oh definitely God, cocaine Josh. and uh, tequila. Wow. And I sobered up enough to 
to to realize that oh my god what have i done with my life right and um i think sometimes story, it's the the cheesy thing that people say but it's true sometimes you have to hit rock, rock bottom. bottom and almost die and be in hell to pull yourself out of it right well i i saw hell um sounds sure. like it but yeah I also I also, I mean, I, I know that this is not a uh, faith-based podcast or anything like that, but right. I would be no. remiss if I didn't say that sure. when I started screaming and cursing at God about why he wouldn't fix me and change me, mm -hmm. God spoke back okay. and he had very, very clear instructions. And those clear instructions are what changed my life forever. And of course, you all can read that in the book. No, it's, it's an incredible book. And again, it's so nice and refreshing how you just like open up about everything because i know like like i always say when when people read my book or, or by the way i i it's not being sold anymore it got pulled out of amazon long story but yeah i'll tell you the story later but anyways i'm rewriting it but anyways uh there is always somebody with the story even worse than ours that's true. Because like when I think about myself, I think, wow, I can't. Sometimes I read back. I'm like, I cannot even believe I survived all the shit that I did. <laughs> but in my case, I never did drugs because I was never into drugs. I don't know. You know, here and there I've dabbled. I've tried things, but I just don't. I don't. I just thought it's not for me. I, I never wanted to become an alcoholic because I was married to an alcoholic and my mom was an alcoholic. So I was like, OK, I don't want to die like they did. So for me, it was more like really just being abused and, and, you know, being mistreated and all this shit. But when I read and, and then, of course, having to build my life over from scratch. But when I read stories like yours, I'm like, holy fuck, that's a whole other level of rebuilding. Because, yeah, when, you, when you're doing drugs, I was just finishing reading the uh, Matthew Perry book. I don't know if you read it, you know, the, the, the actor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway, I'm going to do a parenthesis uh, in a little bit about that because I saw him on Saturday and I was very worried about him, by the way. But anyways, when you're dealing with drug addiction, it's a whole other animal because it's not just saying, like you said, oh, I don't want to cheat anymore. Drugs, you got to deal with the addiction. And I think only people that do drugs and alcohol understand how hard that is. And add sex to the mix. And add sex to the mix. So do you think you were a sex addict as well? Oh, I, 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 I am 100% a recovering chem sex addict. There is no, it's, it's, beyond, it's beyond sex, it's beyond drugs, it's chem sex. Like oh, I, okay. Alcohol was just an excuse to get me to the drugs, uh -huh. but alcohol I, can get, I don't really even care for. Right. Um, but I love the way cocaine, I, I'm going to yeah. use present tense because I would be lying if it was different. I love the way that cocaine makes me feel. Right. No, I, I agree. Wonder, I have tried. I agree. I have tried cocaine before with some guy that I was dating right around the time I got divorced from Anthony and I got scared. I got really, really scared, especially in Miami. It's like fresh, fresh, pure cocaine from Colombia. And I am a person. I like highs. Like I, yeah. everything I do is daredevil. Like if I'm going to go ski, I'm going to like woo, jump from the highest mount. I love speed. I love crazy. So when I tried cocaine, I was like, okay, this is not for me because it's, I'm going to die. I'm literally going to die. So I decided I never want to do it again. So I, but I completely understand what you're saying. Yes. One million percent. Yeah. I, I'm, that was a demon that even after turning my life around, yeah. that 
any because I when I when I celebrated and I was happy, it was let's go get cocaine, <laughs> it, and then would turn into sex. If it was I'm having a bad day, it was give me cocaine or meth or yeah. You know what I mean, it just yeah. It, it, for every emotion that I had, that was the medicine and the recipe for it. Oh, I hear you. Sex. For over and years. by the way, before we talk about how you 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 dig yourself out of that hole, a, a lot of people that that I I, I want to know your opinion. But usually, men when they're doing cocaine, they can't even perform. They can't get it up. They can't get hard, because cocaine affects uh, the body. Was that the case with you? So it depends. Uh, sometimes yes, of course, and sometimes no. Uh, when I switched to meth, I didn't care because I was what they would call. Well, I was a whore. I was a bottom whore. <laughs> oh, okay, um, yeah. To say to say the least, I couldn't. My sex and drug binges were like th four days long, three days long, mm -hmm. and just insanity. And it, it, I mean, it's nothing that I'm proud of, and it's obviously nothing that gets me. It doesn't turn me on. Like, there's that's not sexy at all. There's right, like, I've right. found peace with my sexuality and a new thing that's sexy, mm -hmm. but I don't have this uncontrollable demonic craving right. and almost bloodlust. Like I, I was the Jeffrey Dahmer of sex addicts and not wow. that I killed. It wasn't like a killer, <laughs> but I was killing myself right. with sex. I hear Killing you. myself yeah. with sex and drugs. So, and then, and then hurting other people too. Of to, course. To, to go with it. That's one interesting thing. Yeah, usually addicts don't even understand that. That was my case. They don't understand that they're hurting the people and killing the people with them in yeah. the process because it's such a selfish habit, any addiction. It's all about you. It's all about you. If it's alcohol, drugs, it doesn't matter. You're only thinking about yourself. You only think about the craving. And I remember during my entire marriage, I used to look at my husband and say, you know, you love me. You're going to stop drinking from me. And that's such bullshit because the addiction is so above any other love that they might feel, but they are oblivious to the fact that the person near them is dying with them or, or being destroyed in the process. Right? Yeah. And then your family, like I was yeah. reading about the Vegas situation. Yes, it was. It was. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that effect, it affected it. That trickled over into all areas of your life. Oh and yeah. Then, yeah. One million percent. Loved, but you fell in love with the man that you saw when he was sober. Yeah. And so just like all the women that tried to love me and try to rescue me and try to be there for me. Yeah. I wasn't having any of that. They were there because they were enabling me and exactly, they went along yeah. with me what I was doing. Yeah. And, 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 and it, but it was selfish. There was nothing about what I was doing and how I was and what I was about that was anything of love. Right. It was feeding the demon inside of me. No, I, I absolutely. And there. now knowing what I know, and I'm not a, an expert in addiction, but I think I'm almost an expert in alcoholism, but this is what I say. Nobody can save the addict that you have to make that decision for yourself. Do you agree? That uh, now looking back, and I know so many women, they, they say the same thing that I say, oh, but I love him. I'm going to save him. He's going to stop drinking for me. He's going to stop doing drugs. That is such bullshit. It's like, save yourself. The person needs to make a decision like, I want to live. I want to survive. And luckily, it, it's your, unfortunately, it wasn't Anthony's case. He decided he wanted to die. It was a very clear choice that he made. He said a million times, I want to die. Luckily, in your case, something happened to you that you said, I want to get out of this hole, right? Mm. So can you tell people, 
let's say and hope somebody out there is going through the same. What is the, the toughest, toughest, toughest first little step? When you, you like, like when you were in jail and you said, what am I doing with my life? What is the first little step you would tell someone if they want to pull themselves out of this horrible dark hole of addiction? <laughs> That's a tough one, right? Uh, well, so for me, it was with, I, like, honestly, it was the realization that I needed to forgive my father. Like, I had been hanging on to all of this hatred and anger toward it, towards him. I showed up an hour late to his funeral because I was doing cocaine and having group sex up <laughs> until 6 a.m. Wow. The funeral started at 8. I showed up at 9.30. Wow. Um, I hated it. Hated it. Hated everything about him. But when I was screaming at God and cursing at God about why he wouldn't mm -hmm. fix me and change me like everybody else that he had changed, I heard, you have to forgive your father. Mm -hmm. And my words, well, how the fuck am I supposed to do that? <laughs> and then I heard, because it happened to him too. Mm, okay. And, and so when you hear anyone is molested or abused, if you don't go, ah, oh, damn. I'm sorry. Like, if you don't have that reaction, then you got, I mean, you, you, I don't know if you're human. So when I heard that, and I realized that, and I was like, oh my God, that's true. He was abused by his mom. He was abused by his dad. He was molested by, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm like, oh God. And then I realized I've been hating my dad all of these years and I have become just like him, if not worse. Right. In fact, I knew I'd become worse. So, that gave me compassion, which allowed me to forgive. And in that small amount of forgiveness and that small amount of releasing something mm -hmm. that I'd been hanging on to, there was enough light that was able to come in to start mm -hmm. working on my heart. That's very and nice. Then I was start then I was able to ask for forgiveness for mm -hmm. the things that I even knew myself needed forgiveness yes. from. And that was the start of the adventure because but, it got, it became an adventure as soon as I got out of jail and I'm like, wow, I made all these promises when I was locked up. Now, <laughs> now I'm not in jail anymore. Now what am I going to do? But that's when the adventure started, but it started with forgiveness. Yes. It started with compassion, then forgiveness. I hear you. But, uh, I, I agree because, and I think it's a power move when somebody does something really bad and horrible to you, if you are willing to even be nice to that person, like you said, forgive that person, it takes such a huge weight off of you. And I do that, I live my life like that, and a lot of people think I'm crazy, like even if somebody's nasty to me, I'm extra nice to them because I think they need it even more. And I know it's very tough to do that. And a lot of people say, oh, but he was an asshole to me, you know, he cheated, I mean, but if you keep that anger inside you based on what somebody did to you, many times it ends up damaging your life. Absolutely. So I agree. It's such a power, power move if you learn how to forgive and move on and just let go, no matter what it is. Well, it's a bigger power move, what you're talking about, because in the face of somebody, in the face of adversity, choosing to react with love or yeah. to be loved in that situation, that is a skill set that most people, including <laughs> including faith-led you know, -led people, yeah. uh, that's, a, that's one of the toughest skills it ever is. to so it is. It is. And I, I just decided for some reason, it makes my life really light, really light. Like, and you, you can try that. You can notice in like small things. Let's say, you know, road rage, you know, like sometimes you're driving and the guy's like, fuck yeah. 
usually I stop and I'm like, I'm so sorry. That's not, and I open like this big smile and it disarms the person. Like if somebody's trying to be nasty to you about anything, if you respond, and I know it's hard because we have blood, but if you respond with kindness and a big smile, most of the time it disarms their anger. I mean, at least it works for me time and time and time again. <laughs> I learned a trick because I'm feisty and hot-blooded and aka I have a really bad temper that I work on every single day. I heard something about three years ago when I was on set in LA and I heard them say this and it stuck with me and I, I apply it to my life most of the time, most of the time, is when someone that you're dealing with and you know that it's confrontational or you, you know it could be, you, you prepare yourself to immediately think, I love you before you respond. So someone's <laughs> coming at you, they're full of bad energy, whatever, they're being aggressive with you, or maybe you made a mistake and you feel like, realize you're going to have to apologize. Preparing yourself with I love you before you say anything else disarms <laughs> yourself yeah. from reacting in a negative way yeah. and laughing out at someone else. Yeah. You can't say I love you, then say fuck yourself right after. Yeah, it's really hard I don't do. say I love you, but like I said, I just, uh, at least that's my take on it. 99.9% .9 of the time when somebody's really angry or attacking you or abusing you or hurting you, it's because there's something really horrible inside them, like you said about your father. So even like in the dating world, because this podcast is about dating, I tell girls all the time, if a guy ghosts you, if a guy cheats on you, if a guy treats you like a, an, an asshole, I promise you, most of the time it has nothing to do with the woman. It has to do with something that they are dealing with and they are not capable of appreciating what you're giving them. So the minute you realize that, you stop feeling bad about yourself and you feel bad about them. And then that's why it works for me. Like when a guy treats me like shit or breaks my heart or something, I'm like, well, I'm sure he's dealing with a lot of stuff right now. So I feel bad for him. So I release you from guilt of being an asshole to me. <laughs> that's usually how I deal with it. You know, but and you it works for me. Wait, wait a second. You're not keeping him around after that, are you? No, usually I no, I do not keep anybody around because like I said, you know, I was in an abusive marriage for, for 14 years, 15 years, you know, and I took care of Anthony until he died. So if you count those two other years of abuse and I don't think anybody on the planet can understand what it is to be taking care of an alcoholic in his final stages of life, drinking around the clock 24 hours a day with minor breaks for naps, falling on the floor, 240 pound man. And uh, literally I almost died in the process. No, I'm 117 pounds. So I almost died in the process of taking care of him. But I felt for whatever reason that that was what I was supposed to do. And I feel good about doing it. But, but yeah, so after I went through, you, and you've been through abuse, after you go through 15 fucking years of abuse, if I, I made this decision, if, if anybody, just, it, it can be the tiniest thing. If a guy calls me, oh, you're so stupid, I am out the door. Mm. That's like one non-negotiable in my life. I, am, I refuse. I think no form of verbal abuse is, is okay, period. I gotta ask you something. Yeah, of I know course. You experience a lot of different types of abuse. Do you feel that the the verbal abuse was? It may not have been worse as far as that in the in the moment, 
but how it stays with you. Oh, you yes. Yes. Yeah, look, those words. Oh, the words yes. Said that were abusive stick to me. It's like it burns. Oh, my, my God. Brain. I think many times. it Yeah, it hurts more than physical abuse, like it hurts more than a slap. Because you start feeling like if somebody calls you, you're a piece of shit, you're a fucking useless human being, you're a whore, you're this, you're that, you, you fucking moron, you dumbass. If the person repeats it over and over and you start feeling like that, you literally start believing, yeah, that's what I am. I deserve that. You're always, you're always going to be a fucking failure. You're always going to be a exactly. fuck up like your dad. Yes. You're always going to be, yes. uh, I, I mean, I've been called AIDS dick, dick faggot. I've uh, been called yes. all of these names. Yes. And it hurts and, like and hell. Here's the cool thing about it though. Yeah. Once somebody knows their identity, those words that are said, it's like, yeah, should see me on the weekends. I know. Yeah. Bring your best shot because I've not only said worse about myself, but I've also gotten it really, really bad. But now that I know my yeah. identity, there's nothing you can say to me. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. It's really funny you say, yes, when you're going through abuse, it's so painful and it's so difficult to get out of it. And I know so many women that go through the same that I go through, even like my neighbors, uh, they fight like a cat and a dog all the time. And I hear the guy screaming and yelling at her and calling her names. And it, it, it strikes a chord on me and it breaks my heart. I'm like, I can't believe this girl is going through this. Because he calls like, you're a fucking idiot. Get the fuck out. Exactly like it used to happen to me. But you're right. Once you break the cycle, nowadays, there is nothing anybody could say to me that affects me. I actually laugh. If somebody offends me in any way, which is very, very rare... But if somebody calls me a name or anything, I just laugh because I know who I am and I know my worth. But it's just really, really difficult to break the cycle. Yes, one million percent. I want to talk to you about something. Um, it's my turn to ask you a question. Yes, go for it. And then yes. I'm going to take a two-minute break. Your, your story is reminds me of somebody that's very close to me um, <laughs> in blood. I'm not going to specify because she will listen. Sure. But she is in a situation where, you know, she meets somebody, they got the money, they got the success, they got all of that. She gets pregnant it, and now is stuck in a relationship. I won't, I'll, I'll try to spare some of the details, but long story short, she's being abused. She's, well, she's, it's worse than that. Um, but again, I want to be careful because I don't want to mm -hmm. like, make it clear. Yeah, it sure, sure. Um, but she's in a situation where she's got no education. She's got no background Like you didn't have. You have an education. You have that. Yeah, she doesn't have that. But she is in a situation where she is dependent on a man because he has provided everything for her. And she's now in a situation where she's stuck and she can't leave. Or if she leaves, she's going to be homeless. She's going to start from zero. She doesn't have an education to build herself back up. She doesn't have those skills. I'm speaking to this because I know her story mm -hmm. is like thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions yes, of other women. Out. It is. It is. What yeah. kind of advice do you have for women right now yeah. that are stuck in an abusive relationship, a controlling relationship, whatever, and they feel like yeah. they have nowhere to go? Will you speak to that? Yeah. Like I said, get the fuck out. I don't believe <laughs> in that. Like I have nowhere to go. 
you, you're going to end up dying. Nothing on this planet, no money in the world, no mansion in the world, no man in the world is worth more than your well-being. Life is insanely short. Get the fuck out. She doesn't have anywhere to go. Apparently, she has relatives. There are a million resources for abused women. There are non-for-profits. I actually help one called Dress for Success that aids women that were abused to get back into the workplace. There is always a place to go. You're going to be homeless. Go be fucking homeless. Go to a shelter. Call a relative. Call a friend. Get the fuck out. Because guess what? A, a violence and abuse gets worse. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. You have a child in the mix. You have an obligation to protect your child. Honestly, most people don't get out. Like, like my mom used to say to me, are you, you, you know, shut the fuck up. He has all this money. What are you going to do with your life? La, 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 la. That's bullshit. Everybody has a chance to start over. Everybody. As long as you're healthy, and like I said, she has you. She must have friends. It's hard to believe somebody is like completely alone in the world. And even if you are, which by the way, I don't like saying that because I'm not a victim by any means. Thank God I'm very healthy to work. But I am completely alone in the world. Completely. I'm an orphan. I lost my mom. I lost Anthony. I don't have siblings. I don't have anybody on this planet. I thought I had hundreds and hundreds of friends when I was a millionaire. Every single one of them turned their back on me. I begged and begged and begged for, for jobs. Not one person said, sure, cat, here, come. I'm not fucking kidding you. Like one of my friends said to me, they buy popcorn and they sit on the front row to watch the misery. Unfortunately, that's human nature. They want to see you miserable. But everybody has resources. But if, if she's being abused, get the hell out. Pack a bag, lie that you're going to go to the manicure, whatever the fuck go away. And then once you're safe, you there, I mean, even there are even attorneys that work pro bono for abused women, you know, don't accept abuse, period. That's my message to women and men out there. Do not accept abuse. It only gets worse. Well, and I, something that we have some synergy on is our work in media. And without like we, my wife and I have a nonprofit media organization and you work in media and you yeah. teach media and you have, so you're a resource. Can you share just how empowering for you being in media has like all of the different options it's given you from for financial, uh, whether it's different revenue streams, opportunities. Can you speak to that also? Yeah. Well, for, well, the, the, that's the thing. Most people are not comfortable, right? Working with media. I am because I've been doing it my whole life. You are too. So that's a tough one for most people. Like even speaking openly the way you and I are, I know it's very, very tough for most people. Uh, most abuse victims don't want to tell that they're abused, right? Usually it's like on the down low. So I think it's important for people like us to give a voice to other abuse victims. When I do my podcast... And I get messages from women. Oh, thank you so much. You gave me the courage to live an unhappy marriage. Or you gave me the courage to be happy and start over. No, no. I feel, even if I help one person, I feel, okay, maybe that's my message to the world. That's my goal here in this life. So this is why I keep speaking up, speaking up, speaking up. And when I meet somebody like you, and I meet a lot of interesting people like that on the podcast. They're, they're willing to talk about all kinds of subjects. This is why I love doing it, like these organic yeah. conversations. 
that give people the strength, right? To just tell your story, tell your story. This is what we were talking about in the beginning. Lies just make your life so much more difficult. And so many people, like you see a couple and you think they have this perfect marriage. And then behind closed doors, they're fucking miserable assholes just like showing off. It must be such a tough life. Like you said, if you cannot be yourself, I'm sure like when I look at you today, if I know nothing about you, I never would have known that you were going through so many tough things because you look good, you're handsome, you're light, your skin looks amazing, you look healthy, very, very likely because you're living your best life now, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's I'm the very blessed. There you go. I, yeah. I wouldn't have it without truth though. Truth gave me what I wanted. Exactly. And Everything it's, that I wanted that I was too afraid to get, too afraid to ask for, too afraid yes. to admit that I wanted. Yes. And like when I finally go, okay, this yeah. is really what I want. This is who yes. I am. I got it. Yeah. And I got to live the life that I always wanted to live. Exactly. And it's the same because thing with me. It's the same thing with me. I was in this multi-million dollar mansions and private jets and hotel, na na na, and purses and whatever. I now I have close to nothing. The people that love me, they love me. The men that want to date me, they know my reality. They have to like me for me. I'm starting over all my projects. I work seven days a week, 15, 20 hours a day. No shit. It's the truth. Just to pay my bills and support my dogs. But guess what? I've never been happier. I've never been happier with so little. I don't give a fuck about material things. It's great to have them. One million percent. Money is really important. But I'm happy because I wake up light and happy and I tell my stories and I share stories with people. And, and I think that's the message that I try to send to women out there. Look less at the material things that the guy is going to give you and more at, you know, as cheesy as it is, love, physical affection, emotional support. And so many girls, it's really sad because they're looking for sugar daddies. They're looking for dudes to pay their bills. And I'm telling you, you're selling yourself short if that's what you're doing. Well, and you're selling yourself to it too. Yeah, Whether period. I agree. Wrap your head around that or not. I agree. It's and, and men look at it that way. Like, in other words, I'm paying you, so I own your ass and you're going to do what I yeah. say. And if you don't do what I say, then I'm going to make life very uncomfortable and unpleasant for you. Exactly. And because you're hooked on the money, yeah. it's really hard to walk away. I know, 1 million percent. I need to take a two-minute break uh, yep. for, for my lovely sponsors, and we'll be right back with Joshua. I'm, I'm telling you, your life is so rich, and, and my life is very rich. Thank goodness we could talk about this stuff for like 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. This is a super fun and very emotional, right? Very powerful. It's fun, but it's serious at the same time. Episode. We'll be right back. With Christmas just about 10 days away, and in case you guys are looking for last-minute gifts, Please let's support small business owners and get some amazing affordable gifts for your friends and family. So idea number one, shop girlyalamode.shopping. It's fashion and style for every woman in the world to look great and feel great. Super adorable basic pieces such as sweatshirts, long sleeves, t-shirts, cozy hoodies, beanies. The, uh, the, my favorite is the organic reusable tote bag 
uh, everything super, super cute, great gift ideas and keyword affordable. Shop now at girlyalamode.shopping on Instagram, girlyalamode. Idea number two, I also love it. Pretty Please Shop, please with a Z. They have lots of beachwear, clothing, accessories, gorgeous, sexy Brazilian bikinis, great, great stuff, and they ship all over the United States. Check it out. Great, cute dresses for the holidays too, by the way. On Instagram, they are pretty, please, with a Z shop, and you can shop prettyplease.com for last minute, great, affordable gifts and help small business owners. Ooh, this is an emotionally draining but very important episode of Cat on the Loose slash Josh T. Berglund podcast because we're going to publish the, the episode on both, right? Yes. <laughs> thank you for doing this with me. Oh, I'm, thank you. I'm having fun. And thank you for being so brave and telling your story. So moving on and fasting forward. Uh, so you clean up your act. Did you have to go to rehab? No. Rehab... Rehab's not what did it. Okay, good. Okay. Um, in fact, I don't even, even trying to be sober uh-huh. seemed like it was counterproductive. So okay. I, I'm not smashing any recovery programs or right. AA, but mentally, if I tell myself you can't do that, mm-hmm. I'm going to find a way to do that. Okay. And it wasn't good for me to do that. So I made the choice to quit using meth. I made the choice to quit using drugs. Mm -hmm. I use cannabis. I'm an advocate for cannabis. Mm -hmm. I will recommend mushrooms to almost anybody. (laughs) Um, I stand by those because I believe it's medicine. Mm -hmm. But that said, as far as the the hardcore drugs that I was doing before, I I made the choice that I wanted the life that I believed I was created for more than I wanted that other life. That's great. I believe those dreams and visions and those big picture things that pop into our head. I believe that that's our creator saying, this is the life I have for you. Yes. If you just choose to take it, it's yours. Yes. I finally understood that every time I was molested, every time I was abused, every time I overdosed, every time I almost died, every time something tragic happened in my life, Mm -hmm. I would get this image of a better life. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what it meant until I turned my life around and then I realized that entire time that was the life I was supposed to live. And so when I turned my life around, I was so focused and dedicated and so certain that that was the, what the calling on my life, what I was created to do, that I wanted that more than the drugs. I still want to do meth. I still want to do cocaine. You have the craving. Because it's fun, but I don't want to do it more yeah. Then I want what I'm made for. Do you drink makes... alcohol at all or you, you, you quit alcohol cold turkey? I mean, like, like every once in a while, but we just like my wife and I, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't really enjoy it that much. Uh-huh. Um, like a glass of wine every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, But you can maybe... control it, right? Like if you want to have a glass yeah, of wine, I... that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't wake up going. Man, I need a drink. Now, right. I may say I could use a fine sativa right now, <laughs> so, uh-huh. which I has been medicine. I, I have a, a condition called, and I've healed so much from it, but it's called Disassociative Identity Disorder, or DID, also known as Multiple Personality Disorder. 
I've healed so much of that part of my life. And that all happened from the abuse and all the other crap that was going on in my life. But I've healed so much. And so I used to be on all of these mental health drugs and medicine. I quit all of them. Mm -hmm. And I just use cannabis as medicine. And every once in a blue moon, I'll do mushrooms too. Uh Um, But that is is therapy for me. That is medicine for me. And I love yeah. it, and I've adjusted beautifully to just using cannabis. Yeah, that's no, that's great. To each their own. My little yeah. rule that I do for my life is, I don't think anything should control you. You should control anything you want to do, because I keep remembering, like alcohol in the beginning, the alcohol, the the person that is alcoholic, they think I control it, I control it, and then one day you you cross that line, and the alcohol controls you, and you're fucked which is what happened to Anthony. And in a, a, a big degree, that's what happened to my mom as well. So I love drinking wine. I don't want to be like a teetotaler, but I, I love drinking my wine. It's my French blood in me, but I control it. Like you yeah. said, I'll have my glass of wine or something. So I think that's a nice little rule for, like you said, if you want to smoke pot, whatever you want to do, uh, just make sure we are in control, right? And I'm, you're 100% right. And I'm also very fortunate to have the most amazing wife that, and I'm not saying that because she's here. No, we're going to talk about the marriage. My yes. best friend. I mean, she's the best friend I've ever had in my life. That's and awesome. Like, and when I, when we've had trouble in our marriage or conflict, mm-hmm. we shift gears to where we may not be married that day. We just decide to be friends. And if we're, if I'm being a bad mm-hmm. friend, mm-hmm. then she'll go, okay, well now we're family. And so that's nice. We stay together, yeah. But then we, we shift the dynamics of a relationship to ease things, uh-huh. and then we come back together to have the conversation. She has helped me. If she wouldn't be in my life, I would not be talking to you today. Uh-huh. If she didn't come into my life, I would not have healed as much as wow, I have. Wow, that's I sure so have. sweet. So, how long have you guys been friends. together? Uh, we got married two Christmases ago. So okay. this is our third Christmas coming up, or second one, third. So you guys been together for three years. February 20, we met on Valentine's Day uh, 2020. Okay. In real life for the first time. (laughs) I flew in on Valentine's Day. How did you guys meet? Dating apps? Uh, No, no. We met on um, Facebook as Facebook friends. Oh, cool. She was in Minnesota. Okay. Moving to Minnesota was like the last thing I was going to do. Like I, you were in LA. Yeah. Huh? You were in LA. Who would move to Minnesota? on purpose. There must be a lot of love because I don't see me moving to Minnesota for any man on this planet. Not even George Clooney covered in gold. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so beautiful. Uh, downtown Minneapolis is special. There's special people here. No, I know. I like it to visit, but like after it's a weekend. <laughs> no, I know. After a weekend or a week, because I am very hyper, like I have to have the restaurants and the, the cultural yeah. events i have to have stuff around me to do yeah, i would definitely have cabin fever but i admire it because it must be like real 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 love for you guys oh it, it is but she it started as my best friend but i gotta uh-huh. tell you that when she first reached out to me it was business uh-huh. but she wanted to pick my brain uh-huh. and i gotta tell you that happens a lot Oh, when I was on social media and I, and it was always the same generic bullcrap questions. What made her stand out to me is she was asking these very, very detailed, specific questions that only someone who has educated themselves on the subject could have asked. Awesome. And that really impressed me 
so it started off as being you know friends and mm -hmm. best friends but then i started getting visions for her and i started seeing like what her life was going to be mm -hmm. and then i found myself getting jealous of whoever this mystery man was in the visions <laughs> and come to find out it was me in the visions uh, the whole time i just okay I but now you told my best. She's the best. awesome you told me that you guys are in an open marriage well, is that how you classify it, or can you explain it? Do you want yeah. to describe this, honey, or are you coming on camera? <laughs> uh, can breathe. I'll let. I want her to verbalize it. Okay. Say hello to my wife, everyone. Jessica hi, Lynn. hi, Jessica. The camera loves me every time. Um, but I would say that we are exploring that more. We're in the beginning phases of exploring it more. Before it was like, okay, well, we'll have fun and like maybe introduce someone here and there and just, you know, why not? But now I think we're, we've taken it to a different level where we're taking it more seriously and, and to see if that is something that will improve and be an asset to our relationship or not. Okay. And this but, all started with, because of my sexuality. Right, right. Cause you're, you, cause like you said, you're fluid. So are we talking about an open marriage where you can go out with men, for example, if you're in the mood or if you like someone, they're looking at each other. I don't think want that. Okay, so you, so that's not what you mean when you talk about an open marriage. How do you feel about being married to a man that, that is saying that to you, that he's fluid? Maybe, oh. like, if he came home and told you, I met a guy at the grocery store and I'm really attracted to this guy. <laughs> I want to go on a date with this guy. Like, you know, I'm sorry, but let's be honest about it. Like, I want to feel, I want to suck a dick, whatever. How would you feel about it? Yeah, that, that's all happened. Oh, okay. So it's open in that sense. Okay, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, there's no secrets at all. Right. So how do you deal with it? It's totally cool with you. I I guess I just have never been jealous about what he chooses. He fills my cup. Like, Aww. It's, it's full. Okay. In all of the different <laughs> arenas of a relationship. Uh -huh. Like, it's... It, it's more full than it's ever been with a, a man. I've been married twice before, and I've been engaged a couple of other times. <laughs> and Joshua fills my cup in all the areas more than anyone ever has. So it doesn't bother me. It doesn't feel like competition. Right. It just feels like like that's another thing. Like there's, I, I don't really like being put in a box or having limitations put on me. So... I like having someone that I don't have to do that with. That's awesome. And I love I that. I don't want another woman either. I hear you. Know? you. Uh -huh. I, so the whole that idea happens. of the whole concept of like an open relationship where I could go sleep with women, like I have zero desire with that. If mm -hmm. any desire that I have, it's to be with a man. But right. really, if I was to go off on my own, mm -hmm. the whole time, this is honestly like whether I'm on, if I was on drugs or not, mm -hmm. like this is what I had to realize when I got sober away from the drugs to realize what was real for me mm -hmm. is I had to know what was actually real and what wasn't. Mm -hmm. And for me, I know that I'm always going to want her there. Right. So I don't want to go off on my own uh, in that sense. Now, 
um, finding the right mix. Like if we met another couple that was on the same vibe as us, mm -hmm. the thing is, it's like, I still wouldn't want to sleep with that person's wife because it, it mm. it's different to me. I hear you. Yeah. The attraction, my attraction to men is, is almost like it's a different person altogether, even though it's not like it feels completely different for me, both, mm -hmm. even if it was like, I had some kind of feelings for that person it's still not even in the same mm -hmm. realm. As no, sure, I hear you. There's a big difference between love and intimacy and attachment and like a physical sexual desire. The problem is most couples on the planet don't have the balls to tell each other things like that. I personally think it's much better to be honest with each other than to cheat. <laughs> looking at first of all, looking at porn is lazy. So here's what happens. I love porn. Uh, you know what? I, I'm not gonna. I'm not I looking at porn. porn. I don't know. So many but, people have a problem with porn. I swear to God, I think no, it's so much fun. So here's what it is. It's wasting for a guy. I'm wasting oh. my seed when I could be. Ah. <laughs> no, I mean, okay, um, maybe you don't have to come, but like as foreplay, a couple, I love oh, it. Yeah. Or like for Listen, a single woman, no, you know, I, I don't think it's a problem. I like it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't judge any of that stuff at all because I'm just saying for me, I could, put, I would rather put that attention into a real situation as uh -huh. opposed I to hear you. Yeah. jerking off and then and right, being right. done. Um, I want to I want to address something too because I know you have a lot of men that listen. Yes. And one of the, the if men, men, if you, I, I've actually this message just just a men, men, you got to start being honest about what you really want because that's the only way you're going to get it. Because the sneaking around, I get more calls from men that are cheating that like other guys but they're afraid to tell their wife because they'll leave them. I, I've been through it. I know all these things. Like you can't tell me a scenario that I'm not yeah. going to go. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. But. If you, your life will be so much easier, you will be more successful, you will be happier in all areas of your life, you will be a better father, you'll be a better lover, you'll be a better husband, if you're just honest. And here's the thing, if you're living a lie and you're telling lies, those people in your life mm -hmm. aren't your people. So yeah. while you're saying, well, if they find out the truth, they're not gonna love me, well, guess what? They're not, they're there based on a lie. They don't even know who you really are anyway. I agree. So how do you even live with yeah. yourself? And how do you tell yourself that you have friends and loved ones yeah. when you lie to them? I agree. You don't lie to people you love. Yeah. You lie because you're selfish, insecure, yes. and, and afraid. Yeah, afraid. But you afraid. what you want. Yeah, most people lie because they're afraid. I have a lot of friends who are married and who go out with men, who are bisexual, who are, like here in LA, they like saying polyamorous, etc., etc., etc. And I honestly think the happiest people are the people that decide that they're going to live their truth. But unfortunately, we all know that society in general doesn't want to deal with people like that. So it's, it is subjects that very rarely are being brought up, right? I think no matter what you want to do, if you want to go out with other men, if you want to go out with other women, if you want to have more sex, if you want to have less sex, the whole point is communicate to your partner. And like you said, I agree. I think the right person will stay and, and have the same energy that you do. It's not, it doesn't have to be a threat. And, no, yeah. and look, and I know what it says in the Bible. I know all those arguments. Trust me, I'm a man well, of faith. Well, I don't... I, 
I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't like go there because, yeah, I'm not religious. You know, you promised me. I wasn't going to say anything religious. No, I know. But like when you say like what's on the Bible, I don't even, because I don't want to like, you know, people that are not religious to think that, you know, it's, it's like so, they're bad people because of the Bible or something, you know? I think that's not what I was going to say. Okay. Actually at all. Okay. Um, but we won't, we will I will I'll say, I'll say it in the, in the pre, because again, this, the Bible's been weaponized against people for all the wrong reasons when most people don't even realize that that is not a complete Bible to begin with. So beating somebody over the head with your beliefs when you don't even know where your beliefs really come from, that's a problem. Come on, camera. Sorry. I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. I just, I think I'm like equal opportunity, like talker that I respect everybody's religion. I respect everybody's point of view. So, and just for me, I decided a long time ago that I, 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 you know, I, I don't do religion for whatever reason. So, uh, but I respect. That, that's actually good. Religion's yeah. not a good thing. I <laughs> agree. I don't anyway, think, I think it's too I, complicated. <laughs> But I think it's amazing that you guys found a marriage that you can tell each other everything. Because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing in any relationship. Because here's the thing, though. At the very least, whether our relationship is open or not, even the, the verbal foreplay of whispering in her ear the things that are going through my head or her telling me, mm -hmm. ugh, I mean... It's that in itself is almost as exciting as if we actually found somebody to come over to do those things. <laughs> True. That's the thing about just yeah. being honest about yes. what you want. It's so yes. awesome. Yes, I agree. Many times it's a lot more talking about it than actually doing. Now, let's switch it around. What if she came to you? Does, does she do the same thing if she said, oh, I want to go out to somebody else? Like I, I met this woman or this guy and I like this person. How would you feel about it? Is it open for I, her as well? Well, so I, first of all, I wouldn't, I seriously doubt that I would want to go off without her. But if she came to me and said that, mm -hmm. do you know why I would let her do it? <clears throat> because she would let me do it. And it's the yeah. right thing to do. Okay. Um, on the second part, look, I got cheated on a lot because I, I mean, I was a cheater too. So it kind of went both ways. Um, <laughs> But I, well, I remember the very first time I got cheated on and I discovered it and I was at my girlfriend's house and I just happened to lay on her bed and I looked under the bed and I saw <laughs> an open box of condoms. We didn't use condoms. That's aye, how I found aye, out aye. we were cheated on. It ripped me apart because of pride, because of selfishness, whatever, even though I was cheating, by the way, yeah. it ripped me apart. And so I remember we got into it, whatever. Anyway. Fast forward a week or so, we go, I get a hotel room because it's where she lived in a different town in Oklahoma. And uh, as we go to the hotel room, we're having sex. And I know, I can see in her mind, I, I know that she's thinking about something else. So I said the words, you're thinking about him right now, oh aren't you? Oh my God. And she said, and she said, yes, I'm oh, thinking yeah, about him yeah. fucking you in the ass while you're inside of me. Oh, oh so, my God. I, and for the church crowd that's listening to this, I apologize for my language. Anyway, um, so Don't. she says this to me, and then I immediately go, I'm no longer worried about being cheated on. Now I'm into hot wifing and cuckolding almost instantly because that nightmare, that scary, that pain, that hurt, I don't know if this is a healthy way to deal with it or not, but I, I took what hurt me and turned it into a fantasy 
And guess what? It was cheating on never bothered me again. <laughs> I hear you. If, well, but, I never oh, wait, cheated. I will say this. Yeah. Hold on, one last thing. Yeah. Sex part is sex to me, but I will tell you one thing that I get very jealous over, and uh -huh. I would absolutely lose my effing mind and probably end up in prison if somebody went for Jessica's heart. Aww. I then would be very, very, very angry. <laughs> so there's a big difference between the two. I agree. So. There's a big difference between sex with no feelings and feelings for the person that you're with. I completely agree. It's yes. two very different things. I don't know. I feel I, I, I I'm not a, an, I, I mean, I don't feel good about cheating just because I never cheated on anyone, believe it or not. Even people ask me, but you didn't cheat on Anthony because our sex life was so crappy. And I swear my mother, so I never, ever cheated on him. 14 years, I barely had sex. So now, you know, I'm, I'm want to make, make up for it. I want to have a partner that likes it as much as I do. All my boyfriends have to keep up. Otherwise, like they're out the door. But I think, and then I was cheated by a boyfriend. The only boyfriend I had after Anthony, he was cheating on me on my birthday with somebody else. And it was very hurtful. And this is why I think it's always better to tell the truth to the person's face, no matter what it is that you want to do. It's so much better to say, look, I'm sorry, I'm attracted to somebody else, blah, blah, blah. I want to do a threesome, I want to do this, I want to do that. Because like you said, if you have feelings for someone and you find out they're doing it behind your back, it's so painful. It is. It is painful. And there's another thing, too, that you have to consider when you think of open relationships or even sleeping around. I, this is not going to be a, a term that most people have heard about, but there's a thing called soul ties. And just look it up. Soul but ties. I never anytime, heard of that. Anytime that we have sex with somebody, there's a transference of DNA. It's it, yeah. You leave a soul tie. So you ever, you ever leave one relationship, you jump into another, you're sleeping together, but then you got all these memories of your ex. Uh. That's one example of what a soul tie can do to you or why you want to run back to sleep with the ex anytime there's a fight with the current boyfriend yeah soul ties have a lot to do with that because well again this can get really really scientific really quick and really out there quick so i just encourage people to look up soul ties because that is the one thing i will tell you that helps me not be a whore again because <laughs> my instinct is to be a slutty whore like i just want to be a slutty whore all the time because <laughs> That is how I like to express myself, or that's how I like to. Uh -huh. But instinctively, that's what I want to do is be a whore. So the way that I keep myself from doing that and acting on every impulse like I used to is the understanding that, mm -hmm. do I really want this person attached to me now? Like, uh, do I need yeah. this in my life? Yeah. Probably not. I don't need their I drama. I don't need any of that stuff. I know. So I'm going to be way more selective yes. about who I jump in bed with. Yeah. And so now it's basically made me into a committed man now. There you go. <laughs> Because I'm That's not sleeping around. Right? Even though I have permission to. But if That's exactly, the it's the thing. idea of it. I never heard of this term soul ties, but it's interesting that you're saying that because that's how I feel. The reason why I take forever to jump from one partner to the other is because of that exchange in energy. People think I fuck different guys every night because of the podcast. It's hilarious. But I actually have very few partners. Like I take forever and ever and ever. Like if a relationship doesn't work out, I go months and months and months and months on end because I have such a hard time. Like, am I really going to let this guy touch my body and, and, you know, be inside me and all this energy? Do I want it? Does he deserve it? It takes me forever because of that. But at the end... 
And nothing against people that want to have sex every night, by the way. Do whatever you want. But in a way, it <laughs> preserves you. <laughs> it preserves me. When I finally have sex with someone and my guest just asked me that on Tuesday. She was like, oh, how do you feel when you have sex, uh, sex that, that sucks? And I said, it usually doesn't happen to me because I wait so long. So when I finally pick my partner... It's somebody that I really, really, really want. So usually when I end up in bed with someone, it's very delicious and explosive. That's one benefit of not like having sex with a bunch of different people, you know? Oh, I agree. I mean, I, <laughs> again, it's, it's, it's like all that stuff sounded so amazing when I was younger. And exactly. because I was caught up in it. And then yeah. of course I was involved in the drugs and all that. Yeah. And again, mentally, it's like, mentally I can go there. But physically, I just I just don't want that because I exactly. realize that it comes with complications. Yeah. And here's the other thing. I'm I'm open about having HIV. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm I, I'm not afraid of it. I'm not ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. I'm undetectable. Thank God for the medication. I can't pass it on to my wife or if we had other partners, pass it on to them. On to them. I like being outspoken about it because. There's a stigma around HIV yes, still, yes. and there shouldn't be, um, because it can happen to anybody. And the sad thing is this, there's so many people walking around right now with oh HIV and they have no freaking clue oh, because yeah. they won't go get tested. Oh yeah. Get tested so you can get the medication so you can go back to boning. One million percent. Simple. No, I agree. Or One not boning, percent. whatever you want to do. Yes. No, it's a huge problem, obviously, especially here in LA. I think any play, any city with really big, uh, homosexual communities they fear getting tested and yeah it's worse it's worse i was in all the bathhouses in la like <laughs> everyone that was there i don't know which ones are still there but i went to those I when i was tweaking on meth <laughs> oh i went to all, i won't name all the names but <laughs> I, I i was in that scene like because i couldn't get enough yeah and so i know that unprotected sex went on i was doing unprotected sex and like and God knows what I could have done to myself. Like the fact that I'm alive is a miracle after what I was doing. I know. But it yeah. is not that, okay, the medicine is so good now. Yeah. And it's so worth getting tested. Like, yes. It's so worth it because yeah. you don't want to give it to other people, especially. I, I know. Like no one wants to be that person. If I, I know. I have to live with the fact that I probably. Yeah. I know that I was sleeping with people when I had HIV and I, of course I didn't know it at the time, but I, I was doing that. So like, I know that I put other people at risk and that ain't, that's not effing cool. No, There's it's not. Cool no, I know. It's, Absolutely. it's the ultimate sign of selfishness. Oh yes. It's worth I getting agree. tested. It doesn't cost any money. And yeah. frankly, another thing too, people say, well, I don't have insurance or I don't have the right healthcare to pay for the medication. I'm going to tell you right now, I was freaking homeless. And got my medication taken care yeah, of. Yeah, no, here I, there are a lot of places. Like there's so yeah. many resources. Out yes, there. there are so many resources. So yes, anybody listening that, you know, is being abused in any way, that is uh, fighting an addiction, that is afraid of getting tested, this is a good wake-up call. Just fucking get it done. <laughs> Just get it so done. So you, can move, you can move on with your life. Yeah, get it done, right? I, uh, right. uh, before I let you go, yeah, so I was talking about Matt Perry. He's like this crazy famous actor, remember, in the Friends series. No, no, no. He wrote a book, and I thought I'm going to read his book because I love reading true stories of addicts that didn't die. And so I went to his book signing on, because he was like you. He literally almost died a bunch of times. 
And I went to his book signing on Saturday and I'm like, am I the only person here that is noticing this guy? He was like uh, in a fog, you know, he was like super, he looked super depressed, like somebody shoved a bunch of a calming pills, whatever, up his ass to be there. He was, he, he was like, you know, his hand was like trembling to sign the book. And I was like, hi, I'm Kat. You know, do you remember me? I've, I've seen you in many times on different sets. No, no, no. I'm a fellow actor. I felt like my heart broke for the guy because I felt he was like a pony in a circus, like this line of people and a bunch of bodyguards and people taking pictures. And he was literally sitting there like, you know, like barely moving and, and like literally drugged, not drugged from, from like illegal drugs, but like some, somebody pumped him with drugs to function and go to the book signing. And it just broke my heart. It just broke. That's why I'm, I'm telling you about it before we, we, we break, because everybody's asking me, how's the book sign? How's the book sign? I'm saying, uh, fighting addiction is really tough. It's really tough. If you come clean on the other side, I hope you have nice people. Yeah, make money from a book and all this stuff is great, but I hope you have good people on your side that doesn't take advantage of the situation. I really felt he, they were taking advantage of the situation and putting him there because it's a money-making machine, you know? But you but you got the best look at that growing up in the industry. Like, you saw that. You know how handlers yes. work. You know, like, everyone thinks that it's, like, the greatest thing ever to be the guy or girl on the red carpet. No, but when yeah. you see what goes on behind the scenes yeah. to get people there... It's all about like, money, right? Yeah. Telling you what you can do, can't yeah. do, what you can say, can't say. Yeah. Like, it's a miserable... That sounds like a miserable existence. Exactly. And I, in his case, I was like, man, this guy is not okay. He's not smiling. He's not enjoying it. He was literally had the same face, like you know, barely moving the whole time and lines and lines. And by the way, I think I was the only fan there, fan. I was the only person there that had actually read the book. Everybody was just fans from the TV show, like with memorabilia and crap for him to sign. I'm like, these people are so oblivious, but this guy's in pain. He's in pain. He's not okay. And he broke my heart. What do you, I got to ask you something. What do you think? Do you think celebrity's dead? Or is it just changing? Like I, I don't think it's I ever dead. Is dead as, as far as no. being the mega stars, I think those days are over. What do you think about? I that? don't think it's over. I don't think it's dead, and I don't think Hollywood is ever gonna let that die because it's such a money making machine. That's but the what I think. Global now too, though. Yeah, but I think you're always gonna good. have you're always gonna have the celebrities, the red carpet, the you know, the the pomp and circumstance because that's what sells movies, right? I mean. At least that's my impression. I don't think it's dead at all. But like you said, some people are there and they love it. They love the spotlight. They, that's their life. And, and it doesn't matter how much money they make. That's what they want. There are many examples. For example, the Kardashians. They are making billions with a B. They could go home and enjoy their kids and their money. Nah, nah, nah. They're all over the place. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. I'm on TV. I'm on TV. And I'm thinking, why the fuck are you still doing that? You know, take a little break, breathe. Another example that everybody talks about here in Hollywood, I was just talking about her with the, another lady I interviewed, J-Lo. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You've been married 50 million times. You make hundreds of millions of dollars. You marry Ben Affleck again. Great for you. Instead of like, okay, take this private. This man is an alcoholic, uh, reco recovered alcoholic, by the way. 
very similar story to Anthony from Boston, but he recovered and Anthony didn't. Instead of keeping this marriage under the uh, at home, right? Enjoy the fucking husband. She's telling the world, oh, he loves me, he loved. And we're like, shut the fuck up and enjoy it. <laughs> you don't need the money anymore. You don't need the attention. <laughs> I personally think celebrity has been, never been less relevant. I think it's changing. I think another, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay a prediction out for your, your, your listeners. Okay. <laughs> Media as we know it, is also done. So like the CNNs of the world, the ABCs, the yeah. Disney's where they have just a few companies have all the power. Yeah. The future that we're going into, the power is going to lie in our hands. So instead of the power in the hands of a few, it's going to be the power in the hands of the of the many. The independent media organization is the media company of the future and that's what we're going into. So I I, I think celebrities <laughs> about to get flipped on its head. I think COVID yeah. This season of our lives has made celebrity almost mm -hmm. irrelevant. I know it's still powerful, but it's nothing like it was. And I don't think it'll ever get back. Mm -hmm. I, I think it. that we are about to see what we're about to see the world change in dramatic fashion. And it's so exciting for people like you, somebody that knows media the way that you do. This is a time for you, your career, and all that you've done, all of your intellectual property, all that you've gone through in your life, all these experiences, they're about to take you to a whole new level. And you're going to do it for yourself. It's not going to be because of anyone else. Right, right. No one did it for you. Your work and your labor, you are, you, you are prime in prime position for when we step into the fourth industrial revolution fully you are primed to be a massive success. And I am rooting for you all the <laughs> Thank way. You. And uh, I am so grateful that I got to do this. I am so, very uh, grateful. I want well. to interview you on my, like, you're gonna, we're going to have to do this again, but yes. let me ask you questions because you're, yeah. you're just a wealth of information, a wealth of experience. Um, I, am, I have so much admiration for you because I read oh, your book. My God. Thank and you. Likewise. I admire you as well. Yeah, no, and, and likewise, I think you're a very brave man and I am very honored to have you here because like I said, it's so tough to find people that just have the balls to say all of these things that you're saying, like with a smile on your face and you're a survivor. So that's a happy ending. I love stars with happy ending. You should do a TED Talk <laughs> for sure. I can t totally see you being a TED Talker. One million I'll percent. Talk anywhere that I'm asked to, I promise. <laughs> no, you should. Like I see you as a person, yes, talking, going all over the country, inspiring people because so uh, women too, but so many men, gay men, bisexual men, people that were abused, they uh, people doing drugs, they feel like okay, that's it. I can never get out of it. But you are proof that you can, and you can have a wonderful life after that. Yeah, even with HIV, even with yeah. jail, even with prison, we, even with all that stuff. Yeah. I'm living the yes. life that I was created to live awesome. and I've never been yes. more happy in my life. I, and you look very happy and you look amazing and your wife is gorgeous. I'm going to put videos of you guys on my social media so everybody can see you because I know I'm going to get 10 million messages. And the book, <laughs> I have not finished it yet, but I do want to finish it because I love the title and I like how you made the the cover like half of your face and everything I did that. oh you Jessica. did that she's well, a great we, we design all of our own stuff the so the the, the devil inside i love that the devil inside me where can people find it can they buy it on amazon 
You can buy it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and of course my website, joshuatberglin.com. Joshua T. Berglin. And so you publish your, if anybody wants to listen more episodes of your podcast, they can go to your website, Joshua T. Berglin, and it's all there, right? Yes. Yes, it is. It's all there. We distribute to all the other platforms, but we are very big on teaching people to own your content, own your messaging, and only promote what you know. Very, like, I learned all this from Master P. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I was in college, I was a backup dancer in one of the rap videos he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's actually his sons, but I got to meet him. And I thought I was going to get to smoke pot with him, but instead he gave me business advice that stuck with me and shaped like everything I do today is because of that day and Boca Raton when I was uh, going to college uh, for this video shoot. I That day, that stuck with me and it's changed my life. And the whole, everything that we do as a nonprofit, everything I do as an individual was really, really the foundation of that started the day Master P gave me that advice. That's awesome. Amazing. You, you guys do great work. And t- tell me before I let you go really quickly about your non-for-profit organization. We have a non-profit media organization called the Live Mana Worldwide Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's non-profit media. It's a full-service media organization. We uh, teach and equip people that are ex-convicts, former prostitutes. Love that. Um, abused children, any inner city kids, people mm-hmm. from third world countries, uh, people that don't have the education, the finances, we give our resources wow. away to them. We help them launch because here's the thing I know. If you know media, you can do anything. You can literally monetize anything if you know how to use media. So we teach that. So people like me that have, I can't get a regular job because of my record, but I can make my dreams come true still. Mm-hmm. And so I want to teach other people how to do the same thing. I and love that. I, I really, really, really admire you guys. And I think the message we're going to leave here is that, like you were asking about your relative, there is always a way to start over. As long as you're alive, it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter how poor you are. There's always somebody that's going to help or some resource. You know, don't stay in any situation that you don't want to be in for fear right? Get the hell out and start over and you're going to be so much happier. Amen. Thank you. You guys are amazing. So much love. I cannot wait to do this again. Yes. I can't wait to give you a real hug in person. Uh, Yes. I hope you guys come down to LA and I can get to meet you in person. Oh, that's going to happen. Yeah. Let me know. Let me know. It was such a pleasure. Tell me your wife's name again. I'm so sorry. Her name's Jessica. Jessica and Josh T. Berglund. This was an enormous pleasure. Thank you so much. This was a very special, very emotional Carandaluza. Like at some points, I'm like holding tears inside. You know, my chest gets a little tight, but I think these are very important stories to tell. Thank you, Josh. I'll talk to you soon. All right.